0: Hello and welcome to our podcast, On Your Marks. My name is Peter, and I am the leader of St. Mark's Church in Jersey, a growing, friendly Anglican church in the centre of St. Helia. We want to take the Bible apart and see what's really in there, going beyond the face value to dig a little deeper into certain topics. We will bring you fresh content every week and hope you get a lot out of listening. So, if you're ready, let's go. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to episode two of our podcast. This is Ray's take on our Sunday sermon. So, I'm sitting here with my friend um, Ray Speck. And once again, Ray, the sun is shining. Indeed. Um, It's lovely. How are you today? I'm okay. Yes. Yes. Just... This morning, been
1: to the hospital, only to find that um, I wasn't required. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Apparently, or allegedly, um, when I was in for a scan a couple of weeks or so ago, the heart man was also there and checked then what he wanted to check. I I didn't realise. I probably, probably did. Well, better to be safe than
0: sorry. It got you out in the sun.
1: Uh. Oh yeah, but, um,
0: we had other things today. Anyway, that was, yeah. oh, that was this morning. Well, look, before we get started, I just want to say a massive thanks to all those people who sent in feedback. It was lovely to hear your thoughts and um, we just want to say keep, keep it coming and feel free to ask any questions. If you think that we've missed something, we can always answer a question or two at the start of each episode from the week before. Anyway, um, to, to sort of dive in, so today we're looking at Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Um, and there, there are two parts to this. Um, so as we did last, last time, I, I'll, I'll read them out, Ray, and then we can yep. just see where, where, we, where we go with it. So Luke 13, 1 to 9. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all, and you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they worse sinners in Jerusalem? No, I tell you again, that unless you repent, you will perish too. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Well, I'd like to start by saying I'm really interested to hear your take on this, Ray, because um, I preached on this on Sunday, so it'd be really interesting to see um, your your take on it. And I I split this up into two parts, verses 1 to 5 on the call to repentance, and then the parable of the barren fig tree from verses 6 to 9. So maybe we start there. So... You know, yeah. the, the first bit there verses one to five. What, yeah. what are your thoughts?
1: Yes, I mean, the second half is a parable. The first half is more um, historically rooted um, and raises some very interesting problems. Now, let me say straight away, if I appear to take a different stance to yourself... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to. Uh, in any way, um, it's not a criticism... Uh, but it can be offering another take mm. um, on things. And what I would do with this first half, firstly, is to, i con- we'll use that word again, contextualise, mm. um, by taking it back to experience that I and many people have had um, over many years. Um, and that relates to times when I have been unwell, and I've had some serious bouts of illness. And one of the biggest ones early on was when I was diagnosed with glaucoma. Uh, and in the process, in the first few days, I lost most of the sight in my left eye. Wow. Um, and it was all exceedingly challenging. But adding to the challenge was a contemporary view among some Christians, surprisingly really, um, that if you have more faith, um, if you trust God more implicitly, if you live a sinless life, if those two are okay, you won't be suffering.
0: Fascinating.
1: My goodness. Now, it's exactly the problem. The jo- I've been reading Job um, in, for my morning Bible study, um, and um, it's not the most invigorating of books of the Bible, but nonetheless, it has a, a very similar message. And it is rooted, it is rooted in really being made having your faith in works it's in other words god can only respond to you in the way you trust him and the way you obey him if you get outside of that he'll zap you and that the three job's comforters as we call them um who had no comfort whatever to offer the poor bloke um brought that sort of emphasis very strongly. How did you deal with that then, when you, the perception was that it, if you... Li- it was very difficult. I, it, it certainly added substantially to the distress. Mm. Because although I would, and Job wouldn't, claim to be without sin, certainly not, absolutely not, um, nor would I be expressing a lack of faith, I I trust my God implicitly, I I falter, of course I do, I wobble just as I do physically nowadays Um, but nonetheless the basics are right and my security in Christ is right because my faith is not rooted in the level of my belief or the extent of my obedience. It's rooted in the eternal, lovely, wonderful grace of the living God. It's a grace gospel that we have. The grace, God's unmerited, unearned love for us, total and absolute. He accepts me as I am. I'm his child. He has made me his child. He has made me to be born again by His Spirit, and I am eternally secure, despite, very often, my own lack of faith, maybe, lack of obedience sometimes. I am dependent upon Him. So this was the very thing that was presumed within this passage it's the same tendency that people want an answer to what happens and in this one you've got the two examples given in this passage we don't have any record of them in scripture these particular but not surprising Pilate, whatever you think was an unpleasant man he was a bully he was frequently behaving in this sort of way and it clearly was not new and in this particular instance the first one in which he has no regard for the temple the sacrifice sacrificial system and he behaves appallingly and the, the the visual impact is quite really macabre and really absolutely awful mm. where he's the, the blood of the martyrs is mixed with the blood of the sacrifices and poured out as a punishment by a nasty man
0: We had that exact same reflection for almost no reason, no reason is given. Hmm. But as you said, it's not surprising the kind of character he was. Yeah. Hmm.
1: And there is a character trait there. Well, doesn't history repeat itself? Quite. Um, I was saying the other day that as somebody who was born just as the Second World War began, my first six years of life were dominated by a man such as this history repeating itself now. And that's the situation that is being addressed here. The other one, again, there's no separate record of it, the Tower of Siloam, probably one of the corner points of the Jerus- the outside wall of Jerusalem on the southeast side. and Dead commentators don't seem to be absolutely sure, <clears throat> but nonetheless again the presupposition that these people who were killed as the wall fell on them must must have been sinners must have really been awful people because that's what happens to people who get it wrong and um It's a great sadness that the people of God who were being addressed, the Old Testament people of God, hadn't learned anything, it seems. They still hadn't perceived how gracious God had been to them. Think how frequently, again and again and again, their God forgave them, restored them, established them back in the land of promise. And yet, then, didn't get it. And yet, come forward 2,000 years, and to my mind, that that there are evangelical Christians who believe basically what I do, I, I presume, and yet who are taking up the same sort of emphases will turn to me and others and say you know know, there must be some sin that's got to be confessed if you're suffering or there must be you, you must trust more have more faith that is a gospel of works not of not of grace the going back to job you know, all the years, all the decades, centuries before, when they were getting it wrong then and they got it wrong here. Um, The problem for Job was he didn't know the whole context. He couldn't, because the context was a heavenly one. So that the cause of his suffering was not something he could be expected to know, so he couldn't have an answer to it. There are Christians who look to the book of Job for an answer to the problem of suffering. I don't think it necessarily provides an answer. It does say, firstly, you are not to be the one who questions God. God is to the one to Question: You, you um, chapter is it chapter thirty two or something like that, um, where God begins to question Job, and that's right. It's terrifying, and it's 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 awesome, yeah. as they say. Awesome. in America.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it really is. Um, but the root of it all begins in heaven when. The cause of the problem was Satan who
0: stirred it all up. But this is the challenge, isn't it? Because people will want to try and justify suffering. Yeah. And there there is a, a legitimate struggle, you know, why am I going through something? But what you're saying is it's not for us to know why, necessarily. No. We may eventually know why. It's for us to trust. Yeah. You
1: trust him through it. That's, that has to be the only emphasis that is right and appropriate. Whereas, I mean, again, the Job's comforters, um, they accused him of self-righteousness, that he um, professed to be right with God. Now, I would profess to be right with God because I have been made right. That is my, those are my title deeds, I belong to God. Christ has made me whole. Christ has made me righteous. I am in Christ, and in Christ, I am complete. I am fit for glory, and I look forward to it. I'm not perfect, and I don't get it right in practice always, but in title, in Christ, I am complete.
0: So how would you distinguish... Righteousness and self-righteousness.
1: Self-righteousness is determined by your own opinion. Being made right is an act of grace by God himself through the outworking of his his Holy Spirit.
0: I really like that. That's so interesting about Job. Job being thought to be arrogant and almost therefore self-righteous in him saying, I am right with God, but actually... What you're saying is, no, we can say and stand firm and say, I am right with God because it is the gift that I am given to be made right through Jesus.
1: That is the New Testament gospel. That's the good news. The good news is, um, despite my waywardness, despite the fragility of my faith, he's made me right. I will press on because I love him, and I want to delight his heart i will i i will work i'm a work in progress still yes i'm eighty two but i'm you know there's there's more to be done <laughs> um that and it's a work that's been in progress for a very long time indeed um but it's still a work in progress god's
0: God's working on that how does the parable or does the parable of the barren fig tree fit in with that or are they two separate things in your uh, mind yeah um, i i
1: see the the emphasis is different that the emphasis of the parable that follows um is to do with judgment it's to do with the recurring opportunities that have been given to the people of israel and it's addressed to the people of israel in this context um, in that they have had chance after chance after chance. The, the practice of planting a fig tree in a vineyard was quite common, apparently, and so it's, this, is, this is a familiar scenario. Equally, a vineyard is a place that um, is perceived to be illustrative of the people of Israel. So that the whole context is very very clearly related to the people of Israel um, and and the the owner of the uh, vineyard and therefore of the fig tree is saying that you've had those opportunities there's been opportunity after opportunity um, but I will give it one more and that's a very telling one um, because this is on, on the cusp of the finished work of Christ being complete that the offer of salvation will be there that the people of God are fully welcome to really discover what this faith is all about, and to respond to the gospel in the same way as Gentiles were as well, um, one more chance, the supreme chance, if you like, to respond to the gospel in Christ. And the sadness with us, for us, with, in hindsight, is that they, generally speaking, blew it. And in consequence, you had the Romans destroying the temple, flattening Jerusalem, and the virtual disappearance of the people of God for a long, long time.
0: So do you see you know verse eight and nine here we've got the gardener saying, "Give it one more chance. this could be said to be Jesus' ministry,
1: yeah." The the ministry of Christ, the finished work of Christ on the cross, demonstrated by His resurrection, available to those who will respond in faith, is their final opportunity. There's there's nothing more after that, in a sense, is what it's saying. This is to us as well, and to us, absolutely. There's only one way into the kingdom of God. That's through Christ the King. Mm. Amen. The the kingdom of God isn't some mysterious entity, which is a sort of, I don't know, something semi-physical. It is where Jesus is king. That's the New Testament emphasis.
0: A message then to draw from, well, maybe both, is it, Maybe it's always about trust, but is it about to repent, to uh, to get yourself right with God, to not waste time? What do you see?
1: No to me, it is to be at peace in your relationship with God, that you establish that, work at it, that you love him, you serve him, you follow him in all things, and uh, you trust him. It's not having large quantities of faith necessarily. It's just trusting him. It, it's That's the very heart of it. It's not trying to please him. It's trying to, yes, to delight his heart because of love for him, but not thinking you can satisfy it out of your own strength.
0: Hmm. Ray, I really love that. That's such a good note to end on. And that is a a slightly different take, which I really appreciate from what we had on Sunday. Uh, And so that that message there, to be at peace in your relationship with God. I love that as a note to end on. Ray, thank you so much for chatting. My pleasure. We'll see you next week. Look forward to it. We do hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. And please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have. Thanks for listening and see you next time.